0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: spirituality today. I'm Jamie Sanders, along with my co-host Denise Ergen. Coming to you from beautiful Pensacola, Florida at Unity of Pensacola, bringing you another 90 minutes of inspiration, empowerment, and insight if you are open and receptive to the wonder and beauty of spirit within and around us. On today's program, my wonderful co-host and I will be talking about stepping outside the box of traditional mainstream spirituality and discussing why some do it with ease and some struggle with fear in seeking new ideas and concepts to enhance their spiritual awakening. Then, in our last hour of our program, we welcome our guest co-host, Reverend Dale Worley, into the discussion, which we will be talking about. The theme is From the Mystical to the Woo-Woo. What is Woo-Woo, you ask? It's an idea and concept that may seem far-fetched, crazy, wild, and, well, just plain old airy-fairy to some, yet quite natural to others, but very and. In- adventurous indeed are you a woo-woo seeker and finder of truth are you open-minded and better yet are you teachable listen in and share with us your thoughts on your facebook page look for our facebook page found under spirituality today with jamie sanders and denise Jurgen. denise um, what's going on at unity of music city there in nashville today with you
2: well it is absolutely a beautiful day we had a whole lot of storms and things last night, but, you know, I think the rain has just washed away, and it's, it's a gorgeous, sunny day right now, and, you know, we are still reeling and excited from our big focus on peace here in Nashville, Tennessee, and enjoying what that brings us as far as people that are seeking us out right now, because that is our focus, And specifically tonight, we are having our Healing Arts Ministry is uh, doing a about a two and a half hour workshop on the circle of grace, speaking of woo woo and how to kind of fluff up your auras and get your chakras tuned up in the right direction and that kind of thing. And so I was really thrilled that we were going to be talking about this woo woo and mystical today. So what about you and going on in Pensacola?
1: Well, It's, you know, it's starting to get hot, which is not my favorite time of the year, but, you know, there's people who are, you know, it's one of those things. There's people who love to be hot. There's people who love to be cool. I like a little (laughs) bit of uh, in between, but I call it good. There's no storms here right now, and that's a good thing, but, you know, again, talking about everyone who's listening, the subject matter that we're going to get into today is really exciting, I think, to both of us as well as our guest co-host who's going to be joining us for the last hour of the show, so if you're listening and you're listening live, you can Call in during the show with your questions, your comments to area code 516 531 9329. We do ask that if you are calling in, um, that you are calling in to engage with us and not just listen to the program because we will stop the flow of conversation to answer calls. So you can listen online, blogtalkradio.com slash Jamie Sanders, one word. You can hear us live on the computer. You can also go back and listen to some of our past broadcasts as well. So one of the things that you and I were talking about, Denise, is that you know I think both of us, as I recall, we grew up in traditional Um, religion, and I put the air quotes around the word religion, and I was always wanting to go. No one else in my family went to church, had any interest in church, and I wanted to be in that vibration. And yet it was later in life, I think I was 19 years old, when I found New Thought, and it literally rocked my world. And I was content um, with just going to that church service and and learning new, new ideas about what New Thought uh, was about, what it wasn't about, and overcoming some of the traditional things that I was taught in the Baptist church growing up and in a private Christian school that I attended. So I think today we want, in our 30 minutes together before our guest co-host comes on, we wanted to talk about, you know, stepping outside of the box. We hear that a lot, spiritual terms, people stepping out of their comfort zones. What was it like for you growing up and to be where you are today as, I mean, you're more than just a unity minister, you're you're a transitional coach, but how was it for you to step into a new world of spirituality?
2: Well, I left fundamental religion of sorts when I was about 28, because I went through a divorce and was pretty much kicked out. Um, I don't believe that that actually happens anymore today, but you know I have used that and reframed that being kicked out of a religion as being a really good thing for me because it it sent me on a journey. and I did not get to the mystical through unity in the beginning. I got through it um, to it through a discussion and through learning and working on my master's in psychology. And because I had such a desire to work with abused women and children, I actually, the first experience I had with what I would consider the mystical or the woo-woo, I was in Cape Cod. I was there for a month, and I was learning about neuro-linguistic programming and how to use that modality to help people who had been through some sort of a trauma as a child or an adult, to be able to heal that and reframe their life and move forward. And one evening after class, we were going into the city, and we were in Truro in Cape Cod, and went into the city, and there was this bookstore-slash-mystical kind of a place. And I remember walking in, and you could smell incense, and there was this really cool music playing, and I saw crystals hanging in the window and all this stuff. And it was like, Jamie, all I can tell you is that I went, Oh, I have found my tribe. It was this feeling that came over me that maybe I had been there before or something, but it felt so comfortable to me. And from that place on, and I was, like I said, about 28 years old. I went on a quest searching for a deeper understanding of what all that was about, because in that store there were tarot cards, and there were there was a Reiki person doing some stuff, and again, I said there was crystals hanging, and I know there was a sign on the wall that said you could do past life regressions and all this stuff, and things that I had never experienced or even understood. And so I remember when I came back to Nashville after I had spent about a month in in the area, I began searching out the same kind of a thing in Nashville. And I did find a bookstore, and then I eventually found my way to a unity church and began to realize that there was another kind of way of looking at life from more of a spiritual and mystical kind of... Look than there was in the way that I had been trained. And so to me, woo woo, um, I kind of have embraced that as beliefs that are not necessarily evidenced in the reality based world that most people live in, that a lot of people live in. And the mystical to me is about having a direct. Union or an experience with the divine. And quite frankly, I don't know that I would have ever found that if I hadn't found my way into this, what I would quote now call a new age bookstore and unity. So, what but about question, you? How did
1: you? Well, mine was similar, but I think, you know, what I want to, I, before I move on to me, I want to talk about did you feel any kind of, I shouldn't be doing this? I know better from my teachings. <laughs> Or was it like, oh my god I, I know I gotta do this I mean, what was that? Was there any kind of guilt or shame that you were in that place and feeling that you wanted to be there?
2: You know again, I remember the first time walking into that store and it was very much a, a all my five senses were like put on hyper alert, okay because there were smells, there were experiences, the music, the whole was like somebody had dipped me into the deep end of the pool, and I was like, "Woo, that's huge. And it was like I knew that I knew that I knew that that was something that either, and I didn't know anything about past lives or anything like that at that point in time, but it was something that was very familiar to me. And I will have to admit, you know, it was like when I got back to Nashville, okay, how do I integrate this new piece of myself into this world? Because Nashville, Tennessee has become a lot more diverse, but we're talking 30 years ago, and most of the people that I knew would have thought that that kind of an experience was wrong. It was definitely out of the box of anything that i had ever experienced in what i would call church or religion and so um, you know in the in the church in the religion that i had come from that would have been termed of the devil does that make sense
1: absolutely i felt that you know i felt the same way i i went to a baptist church growing up my parents um, sent me to a private baptist christian school which was very very strict Um, I mean, down to the wire of measuring the length of your hair. Girls had to have their skirts measured. I mean, it was intense. I blessed that time. It taught me a lot, but it wasn't, you know, later I found, um, I went and saw, I think I've shared this on the show before, I went and saw the movie Terms of Endearment with Shirley MacLaine.
0: Couldn't take
1: my eyes off of that woman on the screen, didn't know who she was, walked out of the movie, um, went in a bookstore, a B. Dalton bookstore in the mall, and there her face was on the cover of a paperback. I didn't know what it was about, but I bought it. Started reading the book that evening, and I remember, you know, the first, one of the first lines in the book was, sunset, you know, Malibu Beach, and she looked out over the ocean and threw her arms and over her head, and she yelled, I am God. And I remember thinking, this woman's going to hell. <laughs> but I couldn't put the book down. You know what I mean? I kept reading it. I was getting chills up and down my spine. And so, you know, I met with a friend one night for drinks, and I said, I am reading this book. And I said, I know I shouldn't be reading it because it's of the devil, but I can't put it down. (laughs) And he, he says, what is it? And I said, Shirley McLean, out on a limb, and he laughed. And he said, and I will never forget it. He said, you have to go to the Unity Church. Well, the last thing I wanted to do after all that Baptist business was go to another church. But the next morning I pulled up in front of that church, and it changed my world. And so, and, and that's what I meant in the beginning when I was saying I was content for a while just to do Sunday morning service, sit in a class, and, and learn about new thought principles and the Charles and Fillmore ideas of spirituality. And it fed me. But then later I realized, and I say it often when I speak if you think that Sunday morning for an hour and 20 minutes is the end all be all of your spirituality, there is so much more. There's a, a mystical um, universe. That is many levels more than just sitting in a church saying a few affirmations. And you have to want it. You have to hunger for it. And so I think you and I have always probably been called to the woo-woo. And, I, and that's a term, too, that I hear a lot use. People say, oh, you know, that's a little too far-fetched or a little too woo-woo for me. And you, so you say to me, what, what, you, what do you mean, what's woo-woo? <laughs> oh, I mean the idea that you believe in past lives or that you believe in UFOs or even ghosts and that's what excites me about today's show is on Sunday morning um, I, I do push the envelope quite a bit when I speak and I see some people you know some people leave and don't come back because they're they want to hear the traditional you're unworthy but sometimes the mystical. You know, the mystical speaks to me in ways that it never has before, that I want to go deeper and I want to be so teachable where, where I was younger and I would say, oh, I don't believe in that, I don't believe in that. Right. Well, now I go, hmm, hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe it's time to learn something else because I always affirm to the universe that I am teachable. So tell me what you want me to do next. Tell me what you want me to Tell me what experience is going to expand my consciousness, and I'm willing to show up. I might be scared. I might pee on
2: myself, but I'm willing to show up. So Most definitely. You know, um, to me, it's like being in the church that I grew up in. It was kind of like um, a story that I heard one time of a woman who was into rock climbing, and she had her you know, the safety ropes on her, and she was climbing this rope, this this hill, side of a mountain on the rocks, and she was going up, and she got as high as the safety ropes would let her go, and somehow or other, they got tangled up, and... She wanted to keep going to the top of the mountain because it was important to her. She wanted to see the view, and so she had a decision to make, and the decision she made was to unleash herself, to let the safety ropes go, even though the people on the ground were saying, you cannot do this, you cannot do this, you cannot do this. And the minute she let that safety rope go, she found that she was even able to climb to the top of the mountain even quicker and easier because the whole time she would do a a step or try to climb, this rope was holding onto her or pulling her back down. And that, to me, the first time I ever heard that was a great analogy for me and my journey into mysticism because at some point in time I had to let go Of whatever that safety rope was that I thought was keeping me attached to what I thought was real and you heard me say what I thought was real because to me now in my life the mystical experience is really more real and more alive than this thing that we think is real and like you say, Sunday morning I say all the time, you know, if if all you do is come to church on Sunday morning, you're missing out because this is just where we're pretty cerebral and talking about stuff. But there's a deeper, more luscious, more juicy part of part of this thing that we call living that I I want to invite you into even deeper. Does that make sense? So I know your, it does. It deeper. makes yeah, it, it makes
1: perfect sense. So What I want to have you do is to, for those who will be listening into the show, is just very briefly give your take on the difference between religion, because some people don't get it. They think it's the same thing. You know, I still cringe when I hear people say unity or new thought is a religious movement, and I just go, oh, wait, 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 wait. It is a (laughs) spiritual movement. That whole religious thing you know father father leo booth or leo booth is what he goes by now he talks about growing up and being religiously abused by being forced um to go to church because of whatever church our parents went to being forced to uh think a certain way dress a certain way and that people want nothing to do with air quotes again church because they think every church on every corner is filled with shame and that famous word you know they used to use of condemnation unworthiness oh, yeah. And so if you'll just briefly give them an idea what your take on what religion is versus spirituality.
2: Well, religion to me is no matter what religion that you are a part of, and I grew up in Church of Christ, but then when I got out of Church of Christ for a while, I went to many different religious experiences trying to find something. And for me, the religious experience is, is about following a creed, or a list of things that I think I have to do to be okay. And with each religion, some of them may be the same, but some of them may be different. And it was always, for me, this measuring stick of how am I doing today, because no matter if it was my church of christ background or the baptist church or the methodist church or the catholic church or anything there was always this this box and sometimes the boxes were bigger than what i had experienced growing up but there was still a place that i had to get inside of and be and i was not okay if i was coming outside of the parameters of that box Spirituality to me is kicking down the sides of the box where there are no parameters. The only thing that I'm doing in spirituality is that I have a commitment to experience God. It's not a God that is a person or a thing or it is an experience in each and every moment. And my experience of God can be different Depending on what kind of, an, of a situation I'm in. But the mystical, the spiritual, all of that is about experiencing God, not talking about God, and again, totally stepping outside the box. Does that help?
1: Exactly. I mean, that's that's the whole thing to me. And people will say to me, "Well, I don't I don't get what you mean about you're not a religious person and you're a minister." And I said, well, "You know what? If I could come up with another word, because I I don't know about you, but I mean, there are people who call me pastor, and I just freeze. I don't like right. that word. It brings up memories of uh, uh, you know just flipping channels and yelling and screaming and, and beating on my Bible, which you know mm-hmm. I I don't beat on my books. You know what I'm saying? I don't mistreat my books, <laughs> but I don't like the term, and then like, people will call me um, – I have some friends of mine, a family here in the church, and they call me, which I love, they call me R.J. And the first time he said, it, well, R.J., are you going to go to dinner with us? And I said, R.J., and he said, oh, Reverend Jamie. Yeah. Because I, I don't want to be put in, in, the again, the box of being a pastor who teaches right. shame, who teaches um, – and I don't want to be disrespectful, so this is my own thing, but who teaches low-vibration um, spirituality of the, the whole yes. thing of of you're, you're so unworthy of God's love. And I grew up in that, telling me that I I was created in original sin, and I get right. where it comes from, I get the history of how it's been passed down, I want nothing to do with that energy. So spirituality, to me, is—you know—I posted some things on Facebook this morning. I was at a rock and gem show this past weekend, and I, you know, I love gemstones and crystals. Mm-hmm. And I don't—I don't worship them. I don't rub them on my third eye, and you know, people <laughs> think that. I mean, I might try it a little bit. I don't know, but right. people see right. that there's Buddha statues in my office, you know, and and people will say, "Oh my God, that's so the occult," and it's like, you know, people, it's it's. It's all God, and people want to fight. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue. People say, "Well, you come to my house and talk to my retired uh, daddy. He's a you know former holiness minister." No, I'm not going to. I don't have to be right, but I'm not right. going to debate it. I I want to be peaceful and I want to be loving and I want to be able to to burn the incense and and not feel that it's the occult. You know what I mean? So I, I really think I'm happier spiritually than I ever was growing up because there was such confusion with what was being taught, and even as a child, I would sit in, in that school and I would hear some of that and I was going, well, that, that doesn't feel right to me. I mm-hmm. didn't even know what I was thinking. But I knew, you know, I always say I have to learn to trust my gut. I have to learn to trust my instinct. And something would say, that's not right. And I have to be clear to say, it's not that it's not right.
2: It's just not right for me. Right, right. So. You know, to me, I also equate my personal journey to the a, a kind of like a spiritual wilderness, um, might I say, that in religion you have to stick to the trail. And there is a prescribed trail of how you get from here to the end of your life and hopefully, dear God, if you've done it right, you get to go to heaven. And spirituality is more of an adventure. You know, there's not necessarily one trail and there's many, many different kinds of experiences along your path of life. And, you know, I can't say that I've had all of the different mystical experiences that are available, but I thank God every day, you know, it was just Mother's Day, and it was not my mother because my mother still struggles a little bit with me being in unity, but there was a woman in my life by the name of Jody Warlick that embraced me in such a way about 20 25 years ago and and taught me that this spiritual life was about opening up to the divine in whatever way called you and so you know i've been down so many different avenues and so many different side paths of experiences that each one has awakened me in a different way you know even learning to meditate and meditation to me now is more than just sitting cross-legged and going home you know i can remember the first time that i had such a huge experience in meditation with a woman that was very very um spectacular in her way of running a meditation and then the way she used her tone of voice and everything and i can am- remember one particular night sitting in meditation with her and all of a sudden it felt like this presence of something other than me sat down right on me and went right up underneath my skin and even in saying that i was like "Who? what was that And, you know, she explained to me later that, you know, I was just being Christed in that moment, that, you know, I had understood and felt and experienced my own Christ nature, you know. And when I say that, I know I can't share that with my mother because she would think, oh, honey, we need to lock you up in the psych hospital because there's something weird that just happened to you. But, you know, there are so many ways to experience the divinity of who we are and I think that, you know, I hope that in my life I've just scratched the surface and there's going to be many more. Yeah, I
1: mean, that's that's the thing is every time, you know, this past weekend when I was, was up in the Smokies, um, I stayed with a friend of mine. She is very well known in those mountains. She's been, written books. She's this amazing uh, Lakota teacher. And to stay with her, and she's she talks to me about things – that the average person would look at me and go what in the world <laughs> is she talking about she is nuts but i know in my soul when i'm talking with her uh, that i'm hearing truth and it goes very very deep it goes very very mystical and it it just it's like an excitement in my soul to engage in a conversation with someone who hasn't put those walls up of the box and who says right. um you know, she she's very psychic, very intuitive, and says things that she couldn't know about. I love all of that. You know, and when I was growing up, that would have been considered um, of the devil. But what I know is the love that comes from this individual is is just breathtaking. Her home is like a spiritual museum. I mean, just... I mean, you walk in the door and you could just be knocked over from all the energy in her home. And so that's why I say to people, and they'll go, well, I was told this wasn't right and that wasn't right. And I said, trust the God within you to lead you to your highest and best. I do believe in in lifetime after lifetime. I do think in some lifetimes we were probably supposed to be very... um, sheltered in in our religious views and to follow, you know, the hokey pokey, put your left foot out, put your right foot in. All of that, because that teaches us something as well. But I think there also comes a time that we have to just soar spiritually and to to dabble in, you know, things that we don't understand. Because, you know, I shared on the show not too long ago the idea of the verse in the Bible that talks about, in my father's house are many mansions. And yes. uh, I said, when I in my father's house, I didn't even look down at the verse, I said, in my father's house are many dimensions.
2: And the mm-hmm. moment I said it,
1: I felt this electrical current. Several people in the class looked up, they got it. Other people went right over their head. But what I knew was, something spoke through me, and it blew me away. Two weeks later, I pick up Science of Mind magazine. Rocco Errico had written an article, and it said that the original translation said in my father's house are many dimensions. And I was blown away because now I get it. We are, multidimensional beings there are many levels that we can't even begin to take in and understand and that's why coming up when Dale comes on with us we're going to all engage in this whole conversation of from the mystical to the woo woo and 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 to get really clear and I you know there's I want to share some of the things that I've had I um in my experience with woo woo and mystical and I you know I want you and Dale to do the same thing mm-hmm. because I think There are people who have experienced things and they're never willing to share it because they're terrified that someone's going to judge them or tell them that they're wrong. So I think it's going to be exciting. I see that Dale has called into the switchboard, so we're going to bring on Dale here in just a minute. But I want to tell the listeners a little bit about our guest co-host today. Dale Worley is the senior minister at Unity of Savannah, a center for spiritual awakening in beautiful Savannah, Georgia. He has served this community for over six years now with his message and music based on love and oneness. Reverend Dale has had many different roles in the New Thought community over the past 20 years, including working for the Unity Village Retreat Department and as a prayer associate at the worldwide prayer ministry of Unity known as Silent Unity. He is currently the vice president of which stands for Unity Ministers of the Mid Atlantic States and helps to produce their yearly conference each September at the Canuga Conference Center in North Carolina. You can visit Dale's blog at daleworley.com or learn about the Unity of Savannah community at unitysavannah.org. So we're pleased to have welcoming on the show our buddy Dale Worley. Hey, Dale.
3: Hey, Jamie, that was quite an introduction there. I thought, I want to meet this guy. He sounds like he's pretty cool.
0: <laughs>
3: well, <laughs> I you know. I that.
1: mean, Denise, I don't know that Denise knew all that either, but we have—we all haven't been together in a while. You and I saw each other last week very briefly, but I had no idea that six years has already passed that you've been serving at Unity of Savannah. That's amazing.
3: Yes, I was the associate minister and the, directive, the director of creative arts which is a fancy title for the music director uh, for about four years under Reverend Arlene Meyer, and she retired um, a couple years ago, and they messed up and hired me as a full-time minister, so we're, we're having all kind of crazy woo-woo experiences up here in Savannah. You know, this is one of the most haunted cities in, uh, in America.
1: That's exciting. And are you are you open to that? Because I know, I, mean, I don't know if you were listening to Denise and I before you called in, but I mean, we're we're pretty out of the box characters, even for you know Unity ministers. I mean, I think that I think you're pretty open-minded too. So while you're in Savannah, I mean, briefly, have you experienced any uh, ghostly encounters while there so far?
3: Well, you know, uh, I was listening to the program and I wanted to comment. On, on something you guys were talking about about the occult because that word has been given a bad reputation in
0: mm-hmm. the beginning
3: it uh, it meant a uh, hidden knowledge or secret knowledge uh, it was associated with mystery schools and i was I looked up a little bible verse to share with y'all because I'm all about Jesus and the Bible. Uh, In in the book of Mark, he tells um, the, the, the disciples are asking about the way he talks to the people in parables. Why are you doing this? And he tells his disciples, to you has been given the secret or the mystery of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything comes in parables. So Jesus had one teaching that was for the masses, and he spoke to them in a language that they could understand because they were fishermen and farmers. So he talked about farming and fishing in a way that they could grasp the truth. But to his disciples, to his inner circle, um, he gave them mystery. He, in fact, there was even um, it, he, he even had another smaller circle. Of uh, John, Peter, and James that he would take off with them when he went to pray. So Jesus had secret or occult or mystery teachings that he shared with his inner circle. So people are scared of things that they don't understand. And when you start talking about occult or woo-woo or haunted, you know, it brings up a lot of our, our fears. And and to answer your question about Savannah, Jamie, the, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on here. You can feel um, this undercurrent. Um, it, it's it's this electric energy that I feel here that's just really beautiful. I mean, I love to go to the cemeteries here. Some of them are, you know, a couple hundred years old. And the statues, the uh, tombstones are just gorgeous and uh I go to Bonaventure Cemetery sometimes uh, because I feel so peaceful there. So to me, um, something that's haunted isn't necessarily um, a scary thing. It's just I'm feeling the presence of something other than normal human existence. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, Jamie, it's, like, sometimes I'll be driving in my car, and I feel like someone's in the car with me. hmm
1: <laughs> Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, you know, Jamie, a while ago you were talking about in my Father's house are many dimensions, and I think that, right. that that's part of the piece is that, you know, we have some people in our congregation that are able to see the other dimensions all the time, I don't necessarily always see. Sometimes I see out of the corner of my eye, but I feel the presence of beings in the room with us sometimes on Sunday morning that, you know, I know are there. And so I think that it it's it's us helping people become aware that, this is not all there is. What we see right here with our physical eyes, that's not all there is. There are all these other dimensions at play. And I think it's fun to, to realize that I can open up to those other dimensions and download information, which is basically what I think Charles and Myrtle Fillmore did in the beginning of the Unity Movement. Yeah, I think
1: it's well, about us like- being open and receptive. Yes. Go ahead, Dale.
3: Oh, I was just going to say, if you look at some of the history of um, of New Thought and some of what Charles and Myrtle studied, our co-founders, Unity co-founders, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, they studied a lot of different things and brought them together, synthesized a lot of different teachings. So they studied theosophy. They studied with Emma Curtis Hopkins. Uh, they studied Rosicrucian teachings. Um, they studied, I mean, the, the, the uh, symbol that we used for many years, the winged disc, is an ancient Egyptian symbol. So the Fillmore's took a lot of different ideas and schools of thought and synthesized them into one teaching, which uh, Charles thought unity was the perfect name for our teaching because it brought everything together. He looked for the um, commonality. And you know to um, to what you were saying earlier Denise I have a couple of people that come to church in Savannah that are all about angels right and, and the uh, the husband tells me all the time that when I'm playing the piano he sees angels sitting on either side of me on mm-hmm. the uh, on the piano bench with me and you know Jamie you were talking about earlier about how use the word dimensions um, and that you discovered that Rocco Ericko said that that was the correct interpretation instead of houses in that in that passage. Um, and that uh, if I'm understanding this right, it's you really felt the Holy Spirit moving in you or whatever you want to call it when you were saying that. And on Sunday mornings when I'm speaking, I absolutely can feel something. I wouldn't, it's, I don't, Feel like I'm channeling or something, but I feel like um, I'm speaking the word of spirit. And mm-hmm. the reason that I feel that way is because I can tell when it stops. Like right. I can get to the end of my talk, and it's like, okay, anything else is your ego speaking, they are. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> but it's like, okay, suddenly the faucet got turned off, and that's how I know that in that moment I was speaking uh, from the Spirit. Does that make any sense?
2: Most definitely it makes sense because, you know, I tell people all the time that I prepare a lesson for Sunday morning, but I don't necessarily say what I think I'm going to say because... I just say the Holy Spirit takes over, and I just say whatever comes out. And sometimes I'm not even really sure everything it was that I said. And I think that's when I realized that, you know, I've connected to those other dimensions, and something greater than me has spoken through me. And that feels awesome.
3: Have you ever went back and listened to one of your talks and went, wow, wow, that was yes, I did. have, and, and said,
2: down. "Wow, <laughs> I was pretty cool, yeah."
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> of course, that's my
2: ego too. Going, "Woohoo! Look at that!" Right. Thank you, Denise. So. <laughs> right. So not too long back
1: in November, we did. Um, Denise and Judy were the keynotes for our Fall into the Stillness retreat, and there was a moment that Denise was. I was on the front row, and Denise was singing, and she turned sideways, and there was this big glass window out overlooking the water. And I saw this energy coming out the back of her. It was like it went over her head and it came out of her back while she was singing. So I'm looking at him, blinking my eyes, going, you know, I I must be, the sunlight must be disturbing me. (laughs) The moment she quit singing the song, and the song was called Let Me Be Blinded, um, Blinded by the Spirit. And I saw this this energy come out of her while she was singing. It was very high vibrational. Um, And then Mm -hmm. the the moment she finished the song, this this energy went back inside her body. So that's what I say that for people who are not familiar with that sort of thing, when my father died, I did my father's uh, memorial service. And after the thing, people came up and said, I saw your halo. And my mom's standing there going, what the hell? And I knew they (laughs) meant they saw my aura. But then somebody came up and said, when you started singing, because I said something about my dad singing, so I started singing, that they saw two angels on the podium on either side of me. So when you said that on the piano bench, I knew Mm. exactly what that felt like. So that's what I say about... You know, we were saying in the beginning about it's about us being teachable. Because I say to my congregation all the time, who cares what you think? And people say, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. Who cares what you believe in? (laughs) It's about us being open and receptive and being teachable that spirit can, you know, the old saying, spirit can do no more for us than spirit can do through us. And if we're a closed-minded clamshell, we can't receive higher vibration
2: from the radio station of Hmm. the universe. Can I get a amen? Well, and you know, to me, amen. this whole experience is about transformation for us. Because when people come in and have conversations with me about maybe that we're too woo woo here or whatever, I, I go back to the scriptures and talk about, you know, the conversion of Saul to Paul in the New Testament. And I believe mm. that that's part of what happened. I, you know, I mean, the story says that, you know, he was struck down by this big light. You know and blinded for a while but i think that that is the experience we're talking about it's a huge experience of something that is beyond what we physically have ever experienced before and i i know people that have had that because they yearn to continue to connect to the divine in that way and it it completely changes who you are as a person it's kind of like saying you can't put the genie back in the bottle once you have experienced that you can't go well i don't have any idea what you're talking about you know <laughs> you have you have to know that it's real and to me i can only say it's more real to me than anything that people talk about that they're doing here at, in the in the lo- in world like eating and you know running around in their cars and doing things this experience of connecting with the divine is so real to me that you know some days i would rather just stay in that that would be really fun
3: well there's one so we have thing a caller calling in oh okay
2: cool so it's it's
1: it's area code 251 which let's take our caller hello caller you're on the air Hi. With us. how are you doing
4: it's Renee. it's Renee. How you
1: doing? Uh huh. Doing good. Hi, Renee. Yeah. So, for those of you who are listening, Renee, uh, Renee Adcock and her husband Barry um, travel around, and they come to our church often, and they bring the John of God crystal healing bed. And so, we're, I mean, Renee, I asked Renee to call in today because there's some people who are really kind of uncomfortable with the idea of using. Uh, The bed. They're not sure what they're going to experience. So I wanted, since we're talking about mysticism, we're talking about woo woo. I wanted Renee to take just a few minutes to talk about her experience when she uses the John of God bed. And then um, Dale, I think you've done it. Denise, have you
2: done it? Yes, I have. It's awesome. Yeah. So Renee, talk a little bit about it. Yeah.
4: Well, I, I live in the world of woo woo and mystical. And um apparently, I'm a part of the occult as well I, I was actually got an email about that this weekend so <laughs> um but i every time I do you know the the crystal bed for those who don't know what it is, it's seven vocal cut crystals that are suspended above your body, and they pulse light and color at the frequency of the energy centers or chakras in your body, and you know what. What that does is it helps to balance and align you. Because the bed is blessed by John of God, it can bring the, the energy that John of God uses to heal can come through the crystals that are blessed by him and help aid you in healing. Um, and the many times that I have done it, I have had visions. I have been physically touched. Um, I've had presence in the room with me. I've had my hair stroked. Um and and you know, I've and I've had other people who have had the same experiences, um, where they they feel the presence of something in the room and when I come in back in to get them off the bed they'll say, Did you come back in here? <laughs> and and I never go back in the room with people once they're once they're on the bed, I don't go back in there until it's over. So, you know, and and I actually had somebody this past weekend that did the bed who had never done it before. And had always been very skeptical, and had actually told me, "No thanks, I-, I can take care of myself. I don't need all that." Well, he decided that he wanted to try the bed, and and when he did, he came back out and he said, "I'm so sorry." He said, I-, "I I had no idea what what this was going to be like, and and he had had visions of of people who had passed, and and was totally." totally floored wow Wow. yeah and i know jamie you've had quite a few really good experiences as well
1: yeah Yeah, i think with me you know she covers your eyes and um sometimes i like to peek because i love to see the lights changing through the crystals but sometimes you know lately when i do it i just lay my hand out to the side and i ask anyone who's there to just you know, touch my hand, grab my hand. Sometimes it, like Renee was saying, it does feel like somebody has um, gently stroked your arm or your hair or your hand. And so I, I'm open and receptive to the energy. Um, when i When I'm done with the bed, I literally feel um, almost as if I have been drinking, the energy that moves through the chakras, it, it is extremely transformational energy. Um, sometimes I want to laugh when I'm laying there and sometimes I I feel emotional and I want to get a little teary-eyed and I know that something is working in and through me and around me in that moment but I mean to me that's what I try to explain to people a lady said to me not too long ago about the bed she said well that's just ridiculous and I said oh have you ever tried it And nope and I said well then you don't know what you're (laughs) speaking of do you and um, she said well I just don't believe in it and I said well then don't waste your money because it won't work and she goes, well, that's what I'm saying. And I said, well, look, of course it won't work because you've already affirmed it about four times in the few moments we've been standing here. And I said, what you speak about will come about as your reality. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know that she ever made an appointment, but I, that's what I want people to understand. If you keep affirming that something isn't real for you, that, you know, there's no such thing as life after death, that there's no such thing as, you know, when you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, and that sort of thing. You can experience, I believe, the full kingdom of heaven, which Jesus said is found within you, so we have to be open and receptive. So, Denise, when you did the, when you did the John of God, what did you experience?
2: Well, I was going through a period of time where my mother and I were struggling with lots of things. And when I came in and laid down in the bed, I set the intention to experience love between me and my mother and to have some answers about what that would be. And it was, it was almost an, a very over-the-top experience for me because I cried part of the time when I was in the bed. Uh, the first thing that happened for me is I smelled my mother's perfume. My mother has worn Chanel number 5 all of her life. And the thing I want to say is, you know, my mother is still in the physical body, but I believe her soul, her spirit was with me in that room. And I felt her, because I could tell it was my mother's hand, uh, clasp my hand with hers. I felt that pressure. I felt her hand on my heart. Uh, When I was a little girl, I used to lay in my mother's lap, and I used to love for her to scratch my head because my mother had these long fingernails, and she could scratch my head, and it was like being a little puppy dog or something. But all of a sudden, I felt my mother scratching my head, and I began some... I would say it was sobs, but it wasn't loud sobs. It was this, you know how you'll have this deep, cleansing cry that completely washes your soul? And so for me, it was a huge healing experience that obviously called to my mother, who was at least 45 minutes across town somewhere, called out to her through this experience A healing experience for me So And you know I myself have shared Some of that with some people in my church Uh, Some of them think It's awesome and some of them go I don't know that I kind of believe that And I'm like (laughs) like you Jamie That's not for you to believe or not believe (laughs) You know the next time we have Her Renee here Come experience the bed and see what happens with you So Dale what was your experience That
4: happens a lot
3: um, <clears throat> Jamie, uh, we've had Renee and Barry at our church a number of times, and their bed usually fills up. Um, I think time before last they actually stayed an extra day because so many people were interested in taking a turn. And I've been on Renee's bed as well as the one that Reverend Edwin Gaines has at her Rock Ridge Retreat Center. And each time that I've been on it, Um, it's been a different experience, you know, once when I was here at at Savannah and, um, Renee brought the bed, it wasn't a pleasant experience (laughs) at all. I felt, um, short of breath. I felt like something was on my chest. It was almost like I was having a panic attack, you know, and other times it's been a really, uh, peaceful, you know, centering thing, um, it's really personal. A lot of times talking about these mystical experiences, you know, there are some things that I don't share with just anybody um, because it's such an intimate thing. Um, right. You know, you know, when people come to to church here, I tell them, you know, this is what unity teaches. This is what I believe. But I don't care if you believe it or not. You know, you can believe Whatever you want, that's between you and God. It's none of my business, really. So, you know, it's such a personal. It's like a, you know, being in love with somebody. There are things that happen with your, you know, soulmate that you don't want to tell everybody because it's so personal. But I will say that um, that the last time I was at Reverend Ed Wing's retreat center, instead of getting on the the John of God bed, I got on the Baytar table, which is a big table that has uh, speakers um, underneath it. So you're laying down on the speakers and you can hear and feel the vibration of the music and they put headphones on you. And the last time I was on that um, was such a powerful moment because I felt my heart I felt it was like my heart had wings, and the wings were opening and expanding. And, you know, this isn't something that you can measure scientifically. It's, it's an experience that I had that's hard to describe to anybody else. And it's like you were saying, Jamie, if you don't try it for yourself, you know, I can talk about it all day long, but unless you have a, a an experience of the divine yourself, you're not, not You're not really going to know what I'm talking about. And so I think a lot of people would discount things uh, because they haven't experienced it. But if you're not willing to try it, you know, it's our fifth principle in unity. You have to practice <laughs> the principles <laughs> in order to experience it. Right?
1: Yes. <laughs> well, well, you know, we I, I did the um, – Edwin, I did the Baytar bed. I worked the Baytar bed for two days at a recent retreat that she did for women. Um, the lady who normally does the Baytar bed, Deborah Champion, wanted to participate in the women's retreat. And they said, Jamie, will you come and work the Baytar bed? And they trained me. And, and <clears throat> I mean, I've always been open and receptive to like pranic healing and Reiki healing and all of that. But I said to Deborah, I said, what, do you know, what do I do? And she said, you trust the God within you to tell you what to do, and I was nervous. I was like, "These people are, are you know, expecting this healing thing." I'm telling you, in two days, I discovered um, spirit working through me that was so mystical. And so I would, I would, I had these wands that I had bought at a rock and gym show. I didn't know what to do with them. I just thought they were pretty, and I took them. And right in the middle of the session, the voice says, right and I thought. Right, I had to question it. it was when I got the thing. I was supposed to take the wand over the bodies of the women and write words in the air from the head of their um, head to the tip of their toes, and so these words would come to mind. And I'm thinking, what? I'm just making this up. So one of the words for one of the ladies, I'll never forget that the word was passion. And so in big letters, from starting at her head, I wrote over her body, passion. And um, all these other words, you know, that would come to mind. And when she was done, I helped her sit up to get her bearings. And I said, did anything come up for you? And she started to cry. And she said, something said to me that I have to tap into the passion of my life again. Well, I about lost it because I'm thinking, what am I, you know, (laughs) what? What? You did what? It was so (laughs) overwhelming for me because... You know, sometimes when those mystical things are happening, and and I'm sure that Denise and Renee can relate to this as well, that sometimes when those things are taking place, the human of uh, us wants to say, oh, you're making it up, or that's crazy, that can't be. And so that's what I say about being open and receptive to allow spirit to work with us and move through us. And just sometimes, I mean, the best way to say it is get out of the way. And let God do what God does. You don't have to call it God. You don't have to call it whatever. You can call it the universe. But what I know is using things such as the John of God bed, the sessions I have with Renee, um, it keeps me balanced. And so what I wanted to say of anybody listening in, if you're interested in having Renee and Barry come to your area with the bed, if you want to sponsor that, just write to me on Facebook. You can look for Renee. She's on Facebook as well under Renee Adcock. And, and see if they could schedule you. Um, they travel all the time, more than I like personally, for my friends to be gone, but I support them. <laughs> so Renee, any, any closing comments you want to make before we move on?
4: Well, yeah. I wanted to. I also wanted to say that you were saying that you know, if you don't believe, don't do it. Well, the thing is, is that we've had people that have done the crystal bed, who were very skeptical, and they came and did the bed because somebody told them to, or and and when they get up, they're like, oh, nothing happened. Well, I mean, we had a lady like that in Mesa that said, oh, nothing happened. And, I, you know, I set my intentions and, you know, I have a job that's real far from my house and I wanted, a, I wanted a job closer to home, and but nothing happened for me. Well, later on that evening, she received a phone call and it was an offer for a job five minutes from her house. So, you know, whether or not you can feel it, whether or not you believe it, you're going to get what you need.
1: That's, that's and good, I say sometimes point, sometimes we're so closed. You know what I mean? I tell people all the time, Jesus Christ could be speaking on a Sunday morning and somebody's going to complain, and it's because it's you. <laughs> I said that last week. <laughs> it's you. I mean, Jesus could be cooking dinner in the kitchen. You'd still bitch that it didn't taste good because you're closed <laughs> and twisted. So it's about being open and receptive is what I say. <laughs>
2: exactly.
4: Exactly. So thank you for having me, Jamie.
2: All right, love you. See Thank you, you soon, you Renee, for coming for coming to the show.
4: Bye. Love y'all. Bye. Bye.
1: So, I mean, I think, you know, like she was saying, I, I do get that. But I mean, I want, I want listeners to get it. It took me a while to get it, and I, I don't know if it took you guys as long as it did me. But if I go towards something, and I have a, already a preconceived idea. You know, I tell myself, if I had to go tonight to a snake handler's church, Mm. I would have my feet Mm. up on the pew. But if I went in with the expectation to receive a message from Spirit, I truly believe we set an intention for what it is we desire. So whether we believe, but we show up, you know, the scriptures say, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important. So everything from – so real quick, I want to cover with with you guys, but we don't have to go into long, drawn-out stories, but some of the things that I've experienced. um, And so just say uh, yes or no. So, Denise, have you ever experienced uh, anything UFO-related or extraterrestrial that you know of?
2: Uh, Yes, I have, yes. Do you want me to talk about okay. that for a second? or? Well, I mean, just real quick, because
1: then I want to hear if Dale has ever had that experience, and we'll move right, on to ghosts right. and other things.
2: Yes, I have, and it was uh, in a being form that I was actually awakened in the middle of the night, one night, because I could feel the presence of something in my home, and it felt like it was right outside of my bedroom door, and... And, and as I said earlier, I don't usually see anything. I usually smell or feel the presence of something. Um, what I smelt, I can't even explain to you, but it felt, it It smelled like what I would think the ether smells like. And I don't even know how I knew that, but that was what came went through my mind. It was like, ooh, I'm smelling what Charles Fillmore used to refer to as the ethers. And when I walked out into my living room and looked out the window, standing on my front porch was a figure that looked sort of kind of like a human being and sort of kind of like something that I would think might have come out of a spaceship or something. And I remember standing there and contemplating with myself, what do I need to do? Do I need to go out there and have a conversation? And when I got into that place of trying to rationalize it inside my mind, it disappeared. Does that make sense? And so my belief is I got too heady all of a sudden. It was like I was offered this experience of something in a different dimension, and I was trying to figure it out in my human mind, and I can't do that. So that's one of the experiences that I've had.
1: Dale.
3: well, myself, I have not had a UFO experience, however, there's someone very close to me that has um, that I that is not a person who I consider a woo-woo person that was uh, walking home from the convenience store one night and um, a ship something aircraft flew over the top and Hovered over him and his friend, and lit up the whole sky, and then it disappeared. So, uh, and and the person that told me this would not make up a story like this. So, I totally believe it, even though I haven't had an experience myself.
1: Yeah, one night I was leave, I was still living over in Fort Walton Beach, <clears throat> which is about an hour away from Pensacola, and I was leaving the the church here at Pensacola, going to head home. It was after dark, and there had been a, a a wreck on the highway, so I took the beach route, which I never would do. And at a certain point on the beaches, you go past all the the big hotels and condos, and then you're in like a national park, and there's nothing. There's no street lights. It's pitch. There's still a little bit of orange in the sky where it's just about totally dark, and the car started to sputter, and I thought, holy moly, I'm gonna break down out here in the middle of nowhere. And I I remember I looked up in the rearview mirror, and there was no headlights behind me. There was no headlights coming towards me. And the radio began to act crazy. And I thought, you know, I just assumed it was because the car was sputtering that, you know, it was a battery issue. Suddenly, I glanced out over the Gulf of Mexico. And what I saw frightened me so much that I almost lost control of the car, because what I saw was this gigantic, and when I say gigantic, I'm talking about, Probably four Goodyear blimp. That's how big it was. Like four of them, the length of four Goodyear blimps out over the water. And my first thought was, surely other they could see that to, to Mobile, Alabama. I mean, it was that gigantic. <laughs> and it, I mean, it scared me. And then suddenly, because I thought, well, the jig is up. They're going to abduct us all. And suddenly, I got the car back under control. And I glanced again, and it was gone. The car started mm-hmm. acting fine. And so I, I'm really scared. I mean, I, I'm—I did not—I never thought I would see something like that. So I, I didn't tell many people that I saw it because the few that I did, they rolled their eyes at me. But years later, I'm reading a book by Dolores Cannon, which she just recently passed, and she talks about that. She does regression therapy, and she was describing the different ships and the different craft. And one of them is this gigantic cigar-shaped mothership, and I about fell out of the chair. And so I knew what I saw. I know that, you know, I know some people think I'm crazy, but I I know what I saw. I was wide awake, and it was there, and then it wasn't, which made no sense to my human mind. And so when people say to me, I don't believe in UFO, and I go, have you seen one? No, then shut your pie hole. I mean, (laughs) come on. It's the same with a ghost. I don't believe in that. Well, have you seen one? No. Well, come hang out with me.
0: Right. You know, so that's
1: the next one. How, how many have you guys had any um, ghostly, and sometimes it feels disrespectful to call them a ghost. So let's say a spirit encounter with a spirit that you actually either saw or, or strongly felt or even audible heard something. So, Dale, you go first this time.
3: Well, my whole life I've had these experiences ever since I was a little boy of where I would think I would wake up, but I wasn't really awake. But it would feel like I was awake, and when I, when I would really wake up, I would realize it was kind of black and white, and there would be something messing with me. Like some invisible thing was pulling the cover off of me or it would grab my leg and pull me out of bed or it would cram me under the bed or pull me up against the wall or something. And so one night, you know, I used to travel almost every weekend to different churches. And one weekend, we were somewhere on the coast, Jamie, where you live. I can't remember if it was Fort Walden or Pensacola, but I, I was staying with my son at a, a couple's home, and they lived in, like, a loft apartment upstairs from their restaurant. And you'd go up on the roof and see the ocean. It was in a little downtown area. And the lady collected, like, mannequin parts, like you'd be walking through the kitchen, and there'd be the torso of a mannequin laid up against the wall. Oh, man. <laughs> go oh into interesting. The, I I go into the bathroom, and there's all these mannequin hands that are, like, placed on the counter. And I was like, okay, this is really creepy. So right before we're about to go to bed, uh, she tells us, well, oh, I wanted to share with you that, you know, we have a ghost in the house. And I call him Captain So-and-so. And I think that he used to be, you know, the captain of a ship here on the ocean. And you can always tell when he's around because you can smell the smell of fish frying very strongly. And the minute she said that, the overwhelming odor of, like, fried fish just, like, overcame me and every hair on my body. I was like, oh, my God, I was looking to see if she had a can of, of frying fish smell behind her back or something. I was like, this is really weird, right? So then we go to bed that night, and sure enough, in the middle of the night, it always happens about 3 o'clock, I think I've woken up because I feel somebody pulling the covers off the bed, and I could smell the fish. And then after that happened about three or four times, the last time it happened, I just raised up in bed and said, leave me alone, I'm trying to sleep. And then I woke up, went back to sleep, and slept the rest of the night.
1: See, that's fascinating to me. And that's what I say when yeah. when people experience it. So you either have a choice of being – which, you know, my thing is I always tell them. I can feel them, like Denise was saying, you can feel – a presence. I was doing the radio show one day in my office, and um, Dale, I know you've been in my office before. You come out of the sanctuary and you step down a step into mm-hmm. my office in this old Catholic church. Well, the door, the, the old oak door, is so heavy. If it opens, it opens all the way. It goes all the way to the wall because nothing is, you know, nothing is level in this old church. So I'm, I had the door shut. I'm doing the show. And I heard the door open, and I spun around because I thought somebody was walking in and going to say something. I watched the door open all the way, touch the wall, and then as I'm talking, I I turned around the door, pulled itself to, and pulled itself all the way. You heard it click. Well, I know that door can't do that. So it was when I was doing Unity Online Radio, and it was time for commercial. I said, we'll be right back after these messages. And I kept watching the door the rest of the show, you know, because I knew someone opened the door, but something, some energy pulled the door too, which fascinates me. And I know our church is haunted. Um, It's not a negative haunting. It's a good feeling. People have seen nuns. It's an old Catholic church. It doesn't frighten me, but I always say to them, don't scare me. Just let me feel you, (laughs) but don't, don't jump out and say boo or... You know what I mean? They find me dead on the floor. So anyway, we had a call come in from area code 404, so let's see what they have to say. Hello, you're on the air with us, area code 404. How are you? Hello? Okay. So anyway, the next one is, how about anything having to do with past lives? Any kind of either been regressed or that you have had this intense deja vu feeling of something. I always tell people, when I hear Celtic music, my heart opens up. I want to cry. It feels so good. So I know I, I want to go to Ireland and, and feel that energy. But when I go into a Chinese restaurant and they're playing that music, I always go, I don't know why they have to play that music up in here. Can't they play some jazz? Or And so either I had a lifetime in China that wasn't too happening and I didn't like it, But have you ever had a regression or that you've experienced something that you know had to do with past lives? Denise.
2: Well, I'm going to share. I I have many stories of this, but I'm going to share something that brought it home to me that happened with my son, Austin, who is my youngest son, And let me say that before this experience happened, when I was seven years old, I had a very, very close friend that I grew up with in the neighborhood, and his name was Joey. And he got run over by a train and was Mm -hmm. killed and lost him as a friend. So Austin, my youngest son, when he was about three and a half, I was swinging him in the backyard, and all of a sudden he said, Mommy, stop for a minute. He said, Do you remember when you were a little girl and I was a little girl, little boy, and we used to swing together? Well, my heart almost jumped up in my throat. And I said, "Um, Tell me more. Because I was like, Oh, well, shit fire. What's he going <laughs> to tell me next? And, <laughs> and he said, You know, I think my name was Joey, and we used to ride uh, bicycles together, but I got killed by a choo-choo train, and you cried and cried and cried, and your mommy would not let you come to the funeral home when I was in a casket. And I just was just overwhelmed by that because – It was not just me knowing that I believe in past lives, but it was affirmation of this young, young three-year-old boy who, you know, I believe children are so much closer to the dimensions and they're not jaded by belief systems that people have put on them. And he was just talking about it like it was, you know, something everybody talks about. And that experience even more helped me understand that all of this is true because he even called this person by name and you know it's interesting because I will say that when I gave birth to my son Austin the minute they laid him on me and he looked in my eyes the first thought that went through my mind that day was I know you and so that just affirmed it even more that he and I were in this life and he made a quick exit and he chose to come back in as my son to be with me again. So, I had to share that because that was that has been a huge piece of me even understanding past lives and all that.
1: That's awesome, Dale.
3: You know, I haven't had a direct experience like that and you know you're probably asking the wrong person i'm really skeptical about a lot of things even though i believe in a lot of different things i want proof you know when i hear stories like denise that's proof for me that this stuff is real however i do think that that some people have overactive imaginations i mean how many people can really be the reincarnation of cleopatra you know, <laughs> like everybody. <laughs> you know, you, you, you don't. You you rarely hear you know somebody say, "Oh, I was you know a galley slave in a past life, or I was a wretched peasant." No, I was King Richard. You know, or something like that. So, so I do take a, a lot of it with a, a grain of salt. However, you know, mm-hmm. Denise, look, when I see my son.
2: And the way we are
3: today, now that he's 25, and we can be friends too, you know, to a degree, as well as father and son. There's just something going on with us that I'm like, this isn't our first time around. Sure, you know, we we just uh, because because everybody is like, he's not your son, he's your clone. (laughs) Right. We look, we look just alike. We act just alike. And the crazy thing is is that, um, you know, I was supposed to be a twin. This was back in the day when I was born, before they had ultrasound and all of these mystical devices to foretell the future <laughs> wow. for your child, you know. So uh, they thought I was a twin right up until right before I was born. So I've always felt like there was this other Part of me that's around You know and maybe Part of that is my son I don't know but um, I absolutely do believe In reincarnation Maybe not in In the popular culture way Of describing it but yes I do Yeah
1: And, and for me yeah. when I read um, The Dolores Cannon book she you know Talked about regression so right in the middle Of reading it on my Kindle she kept talking about between lifetime regression so you know like dale was saying everybody oh i was this person i was you know howard hughes and my thing was i was interested in knowing what what went on what goes on when we're not in the physical and we're in the spirit realm so i googled it in pensacola and i found a lady two streets over from the church made i called her made an appointment and um You know, again, part of my thing and my humanness is I said, oh, you're making this up, you're making this up. So we must have done six sessions together. And what really blew me away was um, it felt like I'm laying on her couch in in her office, and it felt like I was sinking into the couch, like the couch was swallowing me, could not even understand that feeling. And then I would see something, it's like a movie starts playing in my mind after she's got me to relax and go under. I'm fully aware, because I always thought you, you don't, you're you do not not supposed to remember what's going on, like you see these nightclub acts. I'm fully aware of what's going on, but it's like a movie starts playing, and I see me walking in leaves, and I hear the leaves crunching, and it's fall leaves. And she says, you're walking in the forest. And I'm like, well, how'd she do that? <laughs> it was amazing. And then I, I hear myself talking. I'm saying things, and I'm like, where did that come from? And it explains, so one of the, one of the intense moments was, you know, she didn't ever tell me in the six sessions I was, you know, Jimi Hendrix or anybody, but Mm -hmm. in one of the sessions, she regressed me back to a town in England and it was like, and she said, what is the date? And and I'm just, I'm just kind of like standing in this darkness and I'm trying to figure out what's the date. And I hear, you know, 16 something, which made no sense to me. And, um, so I'm going along, I'm making it up, I'm making it up. So she tells me to go look into, I'm walking down the street and she says, I know that I'm a female. Um, I have picked up that I'm very, very, um, I'm, I'm very poor. Um, I live in poverty. I work at a hospital. I live in a basement and I work at this hospital. They let me stay there, which is, you know, all fine. But at some point she tells me to look in the window of a shop and I look in the window, and I see my reflection. And when I saw the reflection, I just started to sob right there in her office on the couch. Very unattractive woman. Um, people were bumping into her not acknowledging her presence. And, and she says, what energy from that lifetime have you brought? And I was like, oh, my God. The whole thing of feeling that I'm, I've not seen, feeling that um, not, not enough, that energy, you know, came and it was very powerful when we came out of the session. And so that's what I say about, you know, if if you're seeking, that which I am seeking is is seeking me and, and I often use the same quote that Edwin taught me was, you know, it's wonderful that we be seekers of truth, but what the what the earth is requiring is people who are finders of truth. Mm-hmm. So now my affirmation is I am a seeker and finder of my truth. And so as I say, I'm 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 open and receptive, I'm teachable. Do I want to go back and constantly be regressed? No, I did it. It was the sixth session. I've never listened to the CDs of the recordings I made 20 years from now, but it made a lot of sense. Each session, the question before it was over was, "What did you carry into this lifetime from that lifetime?" So it it overwhelmed me, and so that's that's the fascinating part of the mystical. That's the fascinating part of woo-woo, and um, I feel. I don't, I don't ever say I feel sorry for people. I feel great empathy for people who are not willing to think for themselves. And when I say that, I'm not being disrespectful, but sometimes our religious teachings will will box us in so much that we're not allowed any longer to think for ourselves. And so that's what I say to people. Think. Do you believe that this is what God is or what spirit is or that a universal vibration would would punish us? Um, you know, and so I, I just think the whole thing has been fascinating to me on my journey, and and I think it's wonderful that you know that we're able to talk about this. You know, some some people you know would not appreciate us talking about some of this stuff on the air, but the fun thing is there are people who are going to listen in to either the archive show, and they're going to go, wow, they they've experienced things that I've experienced too. So, amen. Denise, what's your what's your thing on? I mean, do has as uh, the minister of the church, do people, for both of you, both you and Dale, I mean, one of the biggest things I hear when people first find unity is, oh, I I got an issue with reincarnation. And I always say to them, you know what I mean? When I first, that was my big issue when I came into unity and they would talk about it and I was like, oh, that doesn't sound right to me. And now there's not a piece of me that does not believe it wholeheartedly from the experiences I've had. Um, But I get when other people come in, you know, my mom used to say to me, do you really believe that we create our own reality? (laughs) And I said, yes. And she said, you've lost your ever-loving mind. And Mm -hmm. I said, Mom, what I want you to know is if I die tonight, it was my time to go. I caught the bus that had my name on it. And that I'm not a victim and that, you know, I, we teach a lot of people are in the wrong place at the wrong I don't believe that. I believe that we're always in the right and perfect place to experience whatever it is for our soul's awakening and our soul's growth. And and one of my teachers said one time, Jamie, we all gotta we all gotta check out. Um, few people have taken the body with them. And so it's okay. And so that's what I say about this whole mystical woo woo thing, I don't have all the answers. I don't have to have all the answers, but what I know is, like I say, over and over, and I keep repeating it for people who are listening in, be open, be receptive, be teachable, and say, you know what, bring it on, Father. Tell me what you want me to read next. Tell me what workshop... I'm about workshopped out. I don't know about the two of you. If I do another
2: <laughs> workshop on how to clean my chakras with a toothbrush. <laughs> how to fluff up your auras or, or make your chakras <laughs> spin in the right direction and all of that. But, hey,
1: I think some people get it. You know what I mean? I'm, so I can't go to every workshop,
2: but my soul tells me which one to be at and which one to be in. So, You know, one of the things I say about all of this is the same thing, because people will say to me as they come into Unity, well, how do you know which experiences to step into? Because as I said, we have a healing arts ministry. And we pride ourselves in bringing in people. We had an astrologer here recently. We have a woman here tonight that's going to do a circle of grace, which is about your physical body, your mental body, your spiritual body, your emotional body, and working with all of those different energy patterns. And, you know, I just tell people, let things come across your radar screen. And if they speak to you, then ask Mm. yourself, do I want to step into this new experience? Because one of the things that we have in part of our tagline is that we offer people a greater experience of God. And Mm. so we are offering it. It isn't for everybody. You know, just like on Sunday morning, I don't know how your peeps are, but there are some people that have a hard time going into the meditation experience. And so they just kind of sit there and do what they do or look around. But we're offering it, and that's all I know to do is offer different experiences and people can make a decision about what to step into.
1: I agree. So, Dale, I just want to say thanks so much for being with us, and we're definitely going to have to have you back on the show. And We'll go more into other spiritual theories and ideas and experiences that we've had. But it's been great having you on today, and we both love you very much, so I appreciate it.
3: Hey, thank you so much for inviting me, Jamie. This has been so much fun. I can't believe that the hour is up already. You know, I could talk for another hour about all this stuff, and you guys are great and a lot of fun. I know that um, I'm going to share the fool out of this show on Facebook uh, <laughs> after we're done because, uh, cause like you said, there will be people – to hear us talking about this and they'll go, well, maybe I'm not so weird after all. You know, maybe uh, uh, there's some validity to my experience because, you know, this, this great mysterious allness is something that we can never fully comprehend, I think, in this body. And we're all doing the best that we can. And we each have our own unique individual doorway into it. So you're right, Denise, find what resonates for you, go with it, dig that well deep, you know, don't leave any stone unturned because this God that we call it wants to speak to each of us in our own individual way. And who am I to judge what your way is or to say one way is better than the other. It's a personal and intimate thing. And, uh, Yeah, so there's a banquet of life before you. Just take what you take what tastes good.
1: (laughs) Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. So if you'd like more information on Dale Worley, remember you can check out his blog at daleworley.com. That's W-O-R-L-E-Y. And you can also check out the website for unitysavannah.org. So we're coming to the close of another show. We just want to take a moment to say thank you for listening in and being a part of what we do here on Spirituality Today. Please tell your friends, share our program on your Facebook pages, and know that we greatly appreciate all that you are in the world. So, Denise, any closing statement before we
2: close? I think the thing that comes up for me is that so very often the thing that we desire is right in front of us, and we don't recognize it because it takes a different form than we expect. So be open to your spiritual journey.
1: Love it. Remember to be good to yourself, be good to others, and keep spreading the light. I'm Jamie Sanders.
2: And I'm Denise Shergan.
1: We leave you now with the music of myself and recording artist Cheryl Jones. Until next time,
2: goodbye.